Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode number 232 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're reviewing another one of the best pictures in Academy Awards history. This one, dating back to 1977, it's Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are yourself, Mike? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. For any of our uh, lucid listeners who've been paying attention, this will be a little bit surprising in that we said our next episode would be the Queen Rock biopic Bohemian Rhapsody. That'll actually be our next episode uh, right. just due to the release calendar. We sort of had an opening. Um, you know, We've had a number of, of new releases in a row and we've got several more coming. So if we, if we didn't squeak into Best Picture uh, winner at some point, we'd be really behind in that area. So yeah, happy yeah. to take the so opportunity. It- The timing was good. Definitely. Definitely good for us. One other quick uh, sort of housekeeping item I wanted to let listeners know about is we'd received feedback quite a few weeks ago when we recorded episodes for the films Ocean 8 and Won't You Be My Neighbor that there were some challenges downloading those particular episodes, especially from iTunes, anybody who uses iTunes for their podcast uh, app. And um, we knew about the problems at the time. We tried to work them out with, with iTunes. We really struggled to get resolution. Other apps uh, seem to have no problem with the episodes, so it was definitely like iTunes specific. But we've uh, we've received notification that both of those episodes are now working. So for any listeners who weren't able to listen to those, please go ahead, uh, go back, check out those episodes. We'd love your feedback and questions. Uh, we think they're good episodes, and uh, we had fun seeing the movies, so we'd, we're happy to share those with you. So the Best Picture Choosing Machine spat out Annie Hall. This, uh, prior to Shakespeare in Love, was the only comedy to win in like – 40 years or something insane. Right. Like, and, and we just reviewed the Frank Capra, what what was the the Frank Capra one we just did? You Can't Take It With the, You? You Can't Take It With You. Like, that might have been the one prior to this one. Right. No, there's right. got to have been another one in there, but. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Gentleman's Agreement was a real laugh a minute. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's about anti-Semitism. <laughs> this sucked. But this is the 50th winner for uh, for Best Picture. It 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 won four Oscars. Uh, he won Best Picture. Woody Allen won Best Director. He also won for Original Screenplay. And Diane Keaton won for Best Actress. And Woody Allen was actually also nominated for Best Actor. For Best Actor, yeah. Man. And he didn't win. Uh, and Woody Allen and his typical Woody Allen-ness was not at the Academy Awards ceremony right. that night. He was not a participant in the festivities. He was playing clarinet in a jazz band in New York, which seems a very Woody Allen very thing Woody to Allen. do. Yeah. Now, this this was his seventh feature film as a director. He'd been a comedian and writer for decades at this point. But uh, his, seventh best, his seventh feature, and it was the first to get any sort of Academy love. Now, since, he is a, n- a n- numerous... Um, He's a go-to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just about everything he puts out gets some sort of attention. We'll see how that changes now in the wake of the... The hashtag Me Too and some of the cultural changes we've seen. His last film, I don't even know if it's been released. I kind of think it might have been shelved. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he's he's got a, a film in the can with some folks who actually said they were going to refund their salaries or donate them oh, to, like, geez. women's shelters and the Time's Up movement because they were just sort of disgusted that they worked with Woody Allen. I mean, oh, wow. it'll be a while, I, I think, before he's back in everyone's good graces, if at all. I don't want to get us on a tangent with this at all, but... I mean, for several years, there's been a lot out in the public about Woody Allen that I'm shocked in the last year would suddenly become problematic. Like, 
if you if you gave him a standing ovation at the 2000, I think it was the 2002 Academy Awards, because he never shows up, and then he showed up in the wake of 9/11 right. at the 2002 Academy Awards ceremony, and uh, you know the, the whole audience is on his feet. I mean, nothing new has come out since then, right? Like, so this is just, it's like now it's just problematic, but. It, it was yeah, the last 20 let's years. Let's not go down okay. there at all. Let's, let's move, just, on. move yeah, on. Yeah, all right. But 1977, okay. also just a weird year. Not only did, did Annie Hall uh, comedy win Best Picture, it beat Star Wars. Crazy right. to think Star Wars was nominated for Best Picture. By the way, Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness, was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor for playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan, And yeah. uh, George Lucas was nominated for Best Director. Woody Allen beat yeah. him. Uh, yeah. Also strange that John Travolta was nominated for Best Actor for Saturday Night Fever. For Saturday Fever. Night Fever. <laughs> and Woody Allen beat Spielberg for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. What a weird year at the Academy Awards. What a strange year for movies that must but have what been. A, but what a great year of movies. Like, those, those are fantastic movies. I love it. I love it. Saturday Night Fever is probably one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> right, everyone's thinking about Star Wars. How the movie industry has changed forever. You're really hung up on... On that one, yeah, I love the that Goodbye movie. Girl yeah. with uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so so Annie Hall holds a special place in my heart. This is the this is my birth year best picture. Yep, uh, winner. Uh, so, do you want to hit us up with a quick plot recap on this one? I I do, and I'll keep it super tight because there's really not much of a plot. There's no plot, but yeah. I will say just just one last point. So, 1977, sort of a watershed movie for year uh, year for movies. You have Star Wars coming out and really changing the industry and changing sci-fi films and, and fantasy, um, the major blockbusters, sort of the whole way that the movies are produced and sold and distributed and merchandised. And then you had Annie Hall, which also quietly sort of invented the romantic comedy sure. in the yeah. way that, that hadn't been done before. It also, whether people sort of admit it or not, gave birth to Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm and a whole host of New York-based, semi-autobiographical, cantankerous, not especially nice protagonist type of films and TV shows. So it is, it is in its own way, a pretty pivotal movie. You know, in the timeline of American film, you can drop a pin on Annie Hall, uh, sure. for, for better or worse. But the film stars Woody Allen as Alvy Singer, a comedian, and a completely neurotic self-loathing New York intellectual Lothario who, uh, while battling with his own distaste for himself, is on the lookout for love. And he finds it in the uh, the shape of Annie Hall, a, quote, uh, pixie dream girl, sort of a ditzy, lovable lady played by Diane Keaton. And uh, this film chronicles their relationship and is shot more from the perspective of Alvy wondering what went wrong and sort of yeah. remembering some of the good times they shared and thinking about how things went south. And that's Annie Hall. Yeah. Great summary. Had you seen it before? I've seen this movie a number of times. It is, and, and again, this is his seventh film, but this is like the moment where Woody Allen kind of became Woody Allen. Yeah. Like when you think of every Woody Allen film and performance since, you're kind of thinking of Annie Hall. I think if you watch sure. the six that precede it, you'd think, "Whoa, this is really different." You know, it's like the it's like the Goldfinger of the of the James Bond franchise. Like once you hit Goldfinger, it's like that's the recipe that we're just going to repeat for the next twenty five years. 
it's funny that you make that reference. I actually wrote in here, this is where Woody Allen's formula all comes together, and I kept thinking about our good friend Dan, who's always talked about Goldfinger as being the point at which the Bond franchise established its formula and really didn't deviate much from since then. And right. I think that this was it for Woody Allen. I, I don't even know his prior movies before this, but when I see this movie, like like Wes Anderson, you could see a still of this film and be like, oh, it's a Woody Allen. It's Woody Allen. Like yep. it, it, it's, it, this is a Woody Allen film. You've seen it. What what do you think of it? Like what what's your what's your take on Annie Hall? Well, so I've seen it a bunch of times, but I've actually never been a huge fan. I I really I really find Woody Allen so hard to like as Alvy Singer. Mm-hmm. The first maybe eighteen or as Woody Allen, <laughs> maybe. The first 18 yeah. minutes of this movie are almost him talking nonstop. Right. And it's just right. his – the level of, of sort of his neurotic energy and his manic self-absorption is so pervasive. I just find him really distasteful and it's hard for me to even buy into the fact that Annie Hall or any of the other women he dates and beds in this movie would – would speak to him, let alone like for a minute, yeah. fall in love with him or <laughs> yeah. whatever. And on this viewing, I was really struck, maybe for the first time, at just how hostile I feel like Woody Allen was as a writer and as a performer against people who were different from him, right? If you weren't a, a Jewish <laughs> New York intellectual, you were like, I mean, this movie treats you horribly. If you're from the Midwest, if you're not Jewish, if you like TV. Anybody other than living in Manhattan comes off badly. (laughs) In fact, a number of the scenes where you're sort of getting these flashbacks of him dating other women, you see their dates and it seems like he's being openly hostile and mocking them and rolling his eyes. He doesn't want to spend another second with them. And then the next scene is them in bed having just finished having sex. And it's like, well, how did you get from there to there? Like – I can't imagine that he would want to or that she would want to. And it just, I don't know. I, I was really, I really had a tough time. I felt like this was a really hostile movie that I guess I hadn't picked up on that before. Or I just, you know, let it, I just watched it with like one eye before. How about you? I think that that's a really fair criticism. I love this movie. It's, okay. It's absolutely one of my favorite best picture winners. Really? I I feel like it is just this ridiculously fun Really funny, fast-paced film that I, I totally love it. As as Alvy Singer says, yes, I I I love it. You love it. Yeah, I look at this era of filmmaking the, in the United States and think that this is like when we were really firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Like yeah. this is the decade of the French Connection and the Godfather and the Godfather Part Two, Exorcist and, and Cuckoo's and Nest the Exorcist. And, yes, yep, yeah. yeah. Like I think that. All of the movies over like a ten-year period that were, uh, you know, of, of any sort of Academy laud or, or critic um, praise, were great movies, and I think that this is another one of them. And I love it because, you know, unlike you know, you mentioned uh, Star Wars of the same area, which is a, a sci-fi fantasy, another movie that I like, but this movie is just totally nineteen seventies, and I think that it's great satire of the 1970s you like there's tons of references to the drug culture in the right. 1970s and uh religion 
and um, you know New York versus California, and I mean you even get into conspiracy theorists. Like right. I, I feel like th- this was just such a great time capsule, and we've talked about best picture winners in the past, the importance of them being a a time capsule yep. for the year. Whether it takes takes place in the year in which it's filmed or not, this is one of the best movies that. I think was filmed that takes place in the year in which it was filmed. This wasn't a, a sci-fi. This wasn't right. a, a Western. It's not this, a period piece, th- right. This wasn't a period piece. This is, and this this is, is 1970s New York. You know, and there's a lot, um, while I'm not, I'm like I'm overtly not a fan of the movie, I, again, you got to give it its credit. And I, again, for inventing the romantic comedy genre and all those other things I talked about earlier, the movie's also highly experimental. I mean, there's a quick moment here where there's there's animation suddenly involved. Alvy uh, uh, Singer kind of re- regularly breaks the fourth wall and talks right to the camera. Um, there's a there's a moment where he's visiting Annie Hall's family in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, and they're having it having dinner, and you can tell he's uncomfortable. And then the camera there's a quick cut to him, and he is dressed like an Orthodox Jew, like just. Head to toe with the you know the the black dress and the hat and the the um, sideburns and everything and then it just cuts back and no you know it was just like that one moment where he felt like he couldn't be more Jewish and to yeah. express that he took two seconds of a visual and that's all it was and so there's a lot of throwaway <laughs> things in here that are really experimental and kind of daring and bold that I really do like yeah. and I do think the humor while well not not every joke lands. It's it really changes throughout the picture. It's like if you don't like the comedy, just give it a minute, and it's going to change, and you might like what comes next. Yeah. So it's kind of inconsistent that way, but it's like it's just throwing everything at you. So I I do think that there's a couple of good gags in here, a couple of jokes that even though I wasn't enjoying the movie, I enjoyed the joke. I appreciate the experimental uh, quality of the film as well. I really think that it's a funny movie too. The, the scene where uh, they're they're standing in line to see a movie and he's so annoyed by the <laughs> professor behind him going on about yeah. some others and and I think he's talking about Marshall McLuhan, but then he he brings in like Samuel Beckett to like school him or something like that. And there's just this great eye roll. I love that. If, <laughs> there's a story where Annie's talking about like some relative of her that has narcolepsy and like she's kind of nervous on on the date talking about this relative and you know she's kind of new to dating and and it turns out that the person is actually dead so she just goes so so he's dead and like i i've seen this movie 30 times but every time she utters that line i start laughing like just at the sadness of this narcoleptic relative of her that that like passes away mid-story and and she she can't quite figure out how to have the conversation about this i love that i think it's hilarious and i wrote it's really tough to like her as well for that i wrote that story where i was getting so annoyed because she just lost the narrative thread and the story keeps kind of changing about what she's talking about and then it does get sad and even then she just kind of wraps it up but but this is after again that the hostility you know she says something about her Grammy and and this is their their first date essentially they just played tennis they just met Alvi she she's going back to her uh, he's going back to her place for a quick you know glass of wine or a glass of water before his therapist appointment and she mentions her Grammy and he starts teasing her and then he openly brings up that 
that his Grammy was getting raped by Cossacks. And I was like, holy crap. You just bust out like a Grammy rape joke <laughs> yeah. right away. And then later she says her Grammy would call him a real Jew and that her Grammy hates Jews. And I'm like, this is the dialogue these two people are having and they're like their first quasi date. And it's like I'm not getting the sense that either of you is particularly enjoying your the time or the other person. So it, it's, not a, it's not a real meet cute. It's You're giving me nothing that – like it's tough for me to feel that Annie was really a special woman and that Alvy was worth spending any time with. So how do I invest the next 80 minutes in this relationship and give a crap about whether or not they're happy or not or in love or apart? It just – they're just kind of reprehen- – he's reprehensible. Neither of them are very lovable. But I feel like everything about their relationship is in a weird way believable. Like I know that I'd never make a rape joke about my grandmother on a first date. But – Everything was just so imperfect and bittersweet that it seemed believable to me. And I think that that's why I've always enjoyed this. Like, every every date has some, like, oh my god, I can't believe I said that moments. Some really embarrassing stumbles. And none of it comes off like a Julia Roberts romantic right. comedy. And, right. so, and so I think that that's why I really like this. Of course, there's a scene with Christopher Walken who plays her brother and he comes off as really weird and that's really unbelievable because we'd never expect him to come off. Right. He's weird. the Cary Grant of that generation. Right. Um, <laughs> well, actually, and I wrote down – I guess I also remembered his part being much bigger. Like I remember Christopher Walken in this movie and then when he's on screen, I'm like, OK, great. Here comes Christopher Walken. It's he five has, like, minutes. Two lines. Yeah. And thought, oh, Wow. Uh, why did I inf- – like in my mind, why was his part so inflated and why well, do I remember him as being from Annie Hall? He is on the poster as is Paul Simon and I mean this is a movie of really two people. Right, like, I guess. There, there, there's 10 people credited on the poster and it's 95% just the two of them. But you know, you've talked about how unlikable she is. This is Diane Keaton in every movie, right? Like, have you ever seen Diane Keaton play anything other than this role since then in anything ever? The Godfather, and and maybe Reds like that. Yeah. Those are like the the two. Yeah, yeah. and I prefer her. Like, as this Kay. is her. Like I prefer her in The Godfather than than yeah. to this. <laughs> I feel like this is just so over the top. But I mean, anyway, I, I so there there is. A lot to like about this. You're right about the 70s. There, there is a very much also uh, a real sense of New York in this movie. I mean, just even um, you know they're driving on the West Side Highway or playing at the tennis club, and just I feel like the locations they chose and the shots and the framing of it, it just reeks of New York. And it's probably because I've seen this movie and it's become so iconic that like New York is in all of our minds from this movie and not necessarily reverse. But- if that makes sense. But it's great, isn't it? Like that long shot that they have where he's walking with, I can't even remember his, his buddy's name, but they're talking about how they were playing tennis and and he's upset because the guy called him Jew. Yeah. Or, or like he, he, he really asked, like, did you? But yeah. he heard it as Jew. And the dialogue is happening a full minute and a half before you see them in, before they're in even the in frame, frame of the shot, right? Like you're just looking at a, a street in New York and a sidewalk and eventually they appear... In the scene, I love those. I love that about this movie. See, I like that shot because it it is so New York and then eventually they kind of wander in frame and come all the way through and wander out. 
But like two minutes later, there's a scene of Alvy and Annie walking along sort of a beach area and then they they walk out of frame and it's just a shot of like tall grasses and you just the, – the dialogue continues for another minute and they're not in frame at all and for some reason that shot annoyed me. So it's sort of okay. like you had me and you lost me. Anyway. Oh, that's fair. So there's, there is a lot to like. There is a lot to be really annoyed with. I feel like people either love Woody Allen or they hate him and I – Somehow I'm just ambivalent. I don't know how I'm so on the fence with him, but I I don't hate him, but I definitely am not a fan. He so. really doesn't look any different today than he did in 1977, nope, does he? Nope, he's the like, same. I mean, that, it's almost identical. I don't want to get into verisimilitude here, but I got to say, you, you know, you've talked about some of the frustrations about their the couple's interactions and why would anybody be interested in this guy. My note was... How could somebody who is actually a, a successful stand-up comic, like somebody on Johnny Carson or whatever late night shows he was on, be that like much of a doofus in day-to-day interaction with a woman? Like, I have to think if you're that funny and you're that successful that you can actually be introduced to a woman like before you're about to go on stage and not come off as a total dork. Like that, he was bad. Yeah, I feel like again in the last year we've gotten a lot of different examples of maybe some popular entertainers who struggle with just that. But, like but, Louis C.K., for example, but, maybe another New York. But comedian. that's a totally different. Well, if it's not that different. I don't know. Uh, all right. All anyway, right. hey, so. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with the really long scene of Annie singing? Like halfway through the movie, it's like the full song. I was really struggling. Like this is a long song. She sings it okay. And I couldn't tell. Are we supposed to think, wow, she's a great singer? Are we supposed to think, ah, she's not that good a singer? Um I, I think the, it just was sort of an awkwardly long take. You you bring up a fantastic point. This movie is 93 minutes long. It had, I think, 49 chapters on the DVD. So, like, scene by scene, this thing is going by in two-minute spurts. And it feels like that right. most of the time. But there's two scenes where she sings. And I feel like the movie comes to a screeching halt. Like, yeah. and, and not in a bad way. It's just... It's just sort of whiplash. Like you've been, you know, you you go from an animation to a scene flying across the country to like every scene is a minute and a half. And then you get a three to four minute long scene where she's singing in a nightclub and that's supposed to be a character arc for her. I think she sounded fine, but I almost wondered, did they just need to make this movie a little longer or, or was it meant to slow us down, like well, uh, pay attention to her. And if if we had gotten a shot during that scene of Woody Allen's character watching her, and you could see it sort of dawn on him of wow, she's a really good singer, or like is this a moment that he's sort of trying to ca- capture in the time capsule so that when they're broken up, he kind of thinks back on this performance. But we don't get that. In fact, immediately after it, we get a scene of. Paul Simon introducing himself to her as a, almost like an agent or some sort of entertainment right, right, you know, yeah. executive willing to sign her. And 
and Alvy's sort of annoyed because he doesn't want to go to the party and it's all about him. And so it's like, well, I don't believe for a second that he was hung up on her or on this moment because it's all about Alvy and it's always all about Alvy. So we didn't get that moment of like he's going to think back on this in his moments of regret yeah. or he misses her okay. or something. Like, I, it just you're, To your point, it was, like, it just was a momentum killer. It just sort of stopped the movie. What's up with how bad an actor Paul Simon actually oh, is? I mean, his, his scenes are just absolutely awful. Now, granted, I love the dialogue that when he comes up to introduce himself to Annie after her set, he's, he describes her set as just really musical, yeah. which I thought was fantastic. That That's great. And then, you know, you, you're just banging your head on the table because he invites them to like come at some point come hang out with jack and angelica right right and, and of course alvy doesn't want to go he has no interest hang out with jack and angelica but paul simon was that's that's bad casting right there yes i agree yeah what's up with at one point annie calls alvy in the middle of the night to come over and kill a spider and he is in bed with someone again who, who the prior scene we saw it does not seem like he likes at all but he has just had sex with this woman he just had sex with her and he's complaining about how much his jaw hurts um and then he immediately goes over to Dan Keaton's place kills the spider and then they end up sleeping together and and there's like no Yikes. no word about the woman he just left in his apartment. Yeah, well, like what did he just say? I, mean, I think we're just meant to assume he sent her off. Oh, okay, and I, I didn't. Yeah, and it was like, is this we're on a break? Like, we're it's okay that, yeah. that he was sleeping with someone else because they were kind of on a break, but yeah. So this is yeah. fine. He's not a terrible. Right, right. That's 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 what I got out of that. Now we can presume his friend is terrible because near the end of the movie in L.A., his friend. What's up with his friend bragging about? Alvy pulling him away from a threesome with two 16 year old girls. So, so can we, can we, let, let's get on this for just one second because this is, this is troublesome at, at several points. So he, he talks about the 16 year old girls. There's a scene where Woody Allen describes somebody as a step below a child molester or a step above a child molester. And there's a scene where he, as an adult, is in his childhood classroom and is kissing a girl. Yep. Like, we, this is three strikes in a 90-minute movie for a guy that doesn't need the strikes. That was... The writing was on the wall for 40 years with Woody Allen. Yeah, To right, your point, right. at the like, top of the episode, hey, is this new news? No. People have known he's... He skews young and he's fairly gross for about four yeah. decades now. And yeah. uh, it's and just I, now and people that, are all disgusted about and it. And I think that his buddy talking about the 16-year-olds, they were like 16-year-old twins. Yeah. Like this yes. was like sisters. sisters. Yeah, like, it's so gross. Not good. Not good. What's up with us getting Woody Allen telling us the same Groucho Marx joke twice in 18 minutes? Oh, does he? Yes. In the, I, I the, the whole movie opens. I, I, know, I like the opening monologue. The opening yeah. mo- the movie opens with a monologue with him staring right into the camera and talking. And he tells the, the joke uh, and he's paraphrasing from Groucho Marx about how he doesn't want to belong to any group that would, that would have him as a member. And then by the 18-minute mark in this movie, the voiceover again, he says, boy, I guess it's just true. I feel like that Groucho Marx joke is so emblematic of my life that I wouldn't oh, want to belong okay. to a group. Like you, you said that. I mean – 
like word for word, including the uh, you're quoting Groucho Marx and it's how your life is all about it. I thought that seems like a student film type of like lazy yes. or just poor yeah. writing. I mean, it doesn't seem like a best picture, best director, best screenwriter type of mishmash. What's up when uh, after their first date, they go back to her place and they're going to have a glass of wine. I swear that Annie pulls the bottle of white wine out of like a a cabinet like a, in her living room. Like, like it's, under it a bunch looks of books. Exactly like the, yes, like it looks like exactly like the kind of cabinet where we keep our candles or our vases. Like <laughs> that that wine has got to be rancid. That cannot be good. What's up with the split screen scene where they're both in therapy? The fact oh, that, I it's, love that scene. it's not love it's that not fifty fifty. It's split screen, but it's like. 65-35, Alvi to Annie. Like, even in the split screen, he gets two-thirds of the screen. He gets more I of love it. that scene. I mean, the, the whole scene is is them both in therapy having a breakthrough, talking about how much sex they have. And to him, it's nothing, because it's three times a week. And to her, it's constantly. Right. It's three, three times, times a week. A week. Right. I love that scene. Buddy, are you ready for five questions? Sure, let's do it. All right, we've got five listener-submitted questions on the movie Annie Hall. Uh, question number one. Would it shock you to learn that Elvie's childhood house was an actual house? When location scouts found it, they incorporated it into the script. Oh, the house under the roller yeah. coaster? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. Apparently uh, this was a thing. It, yeah. would, it does surprise me, but I think that's great. And that seems so New York, right? That seems so Brooklyn yeah. that someone actually lived under a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question number two. Would the world be better off if Diane Keaton had not worn her own wardrobe, which subsequently set a late 1970s trend? No, the world would not be any better off. Okay. You liked it. You, li- you loved I, her clothes. No, I just have almost no opinion on most women's fashion and it really was like of a period of time like women dressed like diane keaton in the 70s no one's doing it today all right except her she still does she still does that do that i think she does that yeah yeah question number three um oh i think you actually mentioned this earlier many hours of footage were edited for four months to make this 93 minute film utilizing tons of flashbacks flash forwards and breaking the fourth wall Within all of that, can you remember where Alvy and Annie first met? Uh, well, they met playing tennis. You do remember. So sure. the answer is yes. Yeah. yeah. In right. fact, she, one of my other what's up with I didn't use was what's up with her wearing like a button up shirt to play tennis <laughs> with the collar popped. In the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> who, who dressed How- like that? However, when I first read the question before the episode, I could not remember. And I've seen this movie what? like seen it 30 times. 30 times? It's yeah. your favorite yeah. Best Picture winners? And you couldn't remember that. Interesting. I could not. Uh, this one is addressed specifically to you. Danny, I know you've talked about this on podcasts before. Would you pass on seeing a movie in the theater that had begun two minutes earlier? Oh, boy. Uh, I think it really It's de- a big argument in the movie yeah. that he will not go into the film because the movie started two minutes earlier. She was late. Boy, that's a good question, listeners. Um, I'm going to come off as neurotic. I think I think it depends on the movie. If it was like Venom and I knew it was going to be a bad movie before I walked in, no, I'd have no All problem. Right. 
But if I was like, if it was a movie I was really looking forward to, I think I'd want to be there. And I just like to get to the theater early. I like watching some trailers. You like the previews. I yeah. like just getting my seat, get like the whole ritual. I love the movie going experience. So it would be tough for me to go into a movie like Netflix, we get a beer. You get the whole 30 yeah, minute yeah, show. You gotta, we yeah. really enjoy that. Yeah. Like, now that's, that's a whole different thing. Okay, final question. Uh, Alan may have been the first in a subgenre. But where does he rank amongst the other atypical Hollywood romantic comedy male leads? Uh, does the listener's question include? Any it does other? not. It, I, so I read the question, and I'm thinking back to like romantic comedies of the last twenty years. I'm thinking like Bill Murray, um, uh, Jim Carrey in uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Eternal Sunshine, I love that movie. I mean, I, I guess I'll say, you know, Woody Allen, even in this movie, was much older than his co-star. Um, and so he was a white, older male as the lead in a romantic comedy, and I don't think that has changed much in Hollywood. No. So no. I'd say he's... But God right knows he's not attractive, right? I mean, this isn't Brad Pitt or well, George Clooney. To somebody, or... I mean, and according to this movie, dozens of women. Uh, so, <laughs> shocking. Right. Anyway, right. I think the Academy made an interesting choice. I think it was a bold, different movie at the time. I'm not a huge fan of it. And I think that Woody Allen's got a lot of baggage, but he's also got a really illustrious career with the Academy for four decades and dozens of nominations and wins. So I think it's hard to say they they didn't make the right choice. What what a unique year film wise. I mean that that Academy Awards race was all over the board in right. lots of categories. But again, as as one that I've I've watched so many times and really loved, it's hard for me to disagree with. So I'd give my thumbs up and, and encourage our listeners who have not seen it to see it. All right. Well, that wraps up Annie Hall. And next week, we really will be back with Bohemian Rhapsody. So look forward to that. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.